others. It has been described as exhausting and satisfying on both both hands. And so today we uh, honor those who are blessed to be moms, and we want to give you an opportunity to let us express that appreciation. So uh, if you've been blessed to be a mom, we want you to stand up at this time. And uh, for our whole congregation, we want to give you a big round of applause. And you can tell how tired they are. They sat down quickly. So uh, don't make me stand up. Just give me one opportunity just to sit down in the day. Hey, today in our message, we're going to do Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. It is the end of the book of Proverbs. And at this very end of the book of Proverbs, they take the last 22 verses and they write about an excellent wife. And uh, what's interesting about it is it's an acrostic. What we mean by an acrostic is there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so in essence, the first verse, verse 10, would start with letter A. Verse 11 would be B, C, D, E, just like that. So it was an acrostic. And usually you will use an acrostic whenever you teach or preach so that people can remember something easier. They can memorize it. And so this is a passage that at times would be memorized and you could be able to, to share this. In fact, there was a Jewish tradition that at times that on the Sabbath meal that the father would stand up and he would recite this to his whole family and give praise to his wife. Now, what's interesting is that whenever you looked at this this passage, and almost every woman, I think, has probably looked at this passage or had it thrown up to her, uh, because they feel like that this is written for the wife, but it's not. It's written for a young man. And when you look in the book of Proverbs, you get to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, and also verse 10, he's writing, he says, my son, my son, I'm writing all these things to you. And when you take chapters 1 all the way through chapter 7, there's a lot of warning of sexual temptation of prostitutes and adulteresses who will try to snare him away, and the writer of Proverbs is warning him. And then when he comes to the very end of the book of Proverbs, it is as if the writer is saying, now young man, let me tell you, I've warned you from this, let me tell you about what you need to do, and that is, you need to find you an excellent wife. So this passage is really written for young men to be able to set the bar high to say this is the type of wife that you need to choose. And when the father would stand up each week at their Sabbath meal and would recite this about their mother, it's not only giving praise to her, but for the young sons that are sitting around the table, it's a reminder of this is the kind of woman that you need to marry. And in this passage, it gives the 29th verse is, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. You know, that's a praise from the husband. I thought I'd try this out. I was um, up here late studying on Thursday and went a little long, and I was working on this message, and so I called Janice. And when she answers the phone, I kind of read this verse to her. I said, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And her response was, what? (laughs) And I said, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. 
and I'm going to bring pizza home tonight for dinner. And she says, you are excellent. You're an excellent husband. So, so this is how it works, all right? So this is a, a time of, of where you are praising his wife, okay? But in the midst of praising his wife, at the same time, it is for young men to be able to say, this is the kind of wife that I would want. Now, let me, let's read this passage, okay? Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Uh, and I'm just going to read through it. It says, an excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers the field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. And she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I've read this passage many times in my life. And I was reading commentaries on it. And I began to see a common thread. A lot of the commentaries spent so much time discounting what the author is saying. They were saying, this is just an idealized situation, an idealized society. This is not a blueprint. Don't try and live up to this. And, uh, and on and on and on. And, and we're so worried that, that women would read this and feel the pressure to be this superwoman. Or husbands would throw it up. And so every time I was reading the commentary, they kept discounting it. And it kind of bothered me. Yes, when you read it, you think it would be impossible for anyone to live up to this standard. And the natural reaction in today's protect my self-esteem, give me a trophy for participating culture, is to say that the bar is too high and it needs to be lowered. Well, God forbid it that we should have to stretch ourselves and get out of our comfort zone to do something beyond what we imagine we could accomplish. Let's just stay with average and see what that gets us. You know, our nation is the greatest nation on earth, and we didn't get that way by being average. We didn't get that way by setting a low bar and seeing how much can we just get by on doing. The way we became great is because people stepped up, took a risk, and said, let's aim higher. Let's set the bar higher. Well, 
I want to look at this passage today, and what I want to say is, let's set the bar high. Let's look at this passage, and let's set the bar high. For young men that are in our congregation that are thinking that one day you want to get married, set the bar high for who you're going to marry. For women that are here in this congregation that are not married, set the bar high to be this, this type of woman. And for those that are wives and, and those who have been blessed to be mothers, set the bar high. Don't give in to our world. Don't settle for average. Don't take a look at this passage and say, well, that's just so unrealistic. I don't want to do it. Hey, we're going to take a look at the passage. We're going to break it down, I think, in bite-sized morsels so that when you look at this passage, you're going to say, this is something that I could aspire to do. There's some, a lot of practical things in this passage. But my challenge for us today is let's set the bar high on both ends for both the men and also for the women. Now, this particular woman that is here, you're getting a glimpse of a wealthy aristocratic woman who she's a wife, she's a mother, she diligently cares for her household, includes servants that she has, she conducts business with merchants, real estate, vineyards, helps in society that she lives. I mean, it's unbelievable. But once you look at it, it's going to be a bar setter and say, okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see what this woman is like on here. Now, the fear that people have is that some women will get intimidated by it and back up. Don't get intimidated by it. Look to the bar. From a man's standpoint, some men may want to take that Proverbs 31 and they want to throw this at their wife and say, this is who you need to be. Okay? Wives, let me give you an answer back to them. You tell your husband, hey, you get me a bunch of servants, I'll be fine. I'll manage the servants just like this woman in Proverbs 31, and we're good. We're good, okay? So, all right, now I've nipped that argument in the bud. Here we go. Raise the bar high. How do you do that? Well, in the passage in Hebrews, it made an acrostic so you could remember it. For me, I'm going to do alliteration so you can remember it. Six things, they all start with the word D. Are you ready? Number one, devoted wife. A devoted wife. Verses 11 and 12. It says in verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. The heart of the husband trusts in her. The husband has full confidence of her in every area of life. He trusts her character. He trusts her fidelity. He trusts her hard work. He trusts her. And it says at the end of verse 11, and he will have no lack of gain. That means there's an abundance of good things that come into the house because of her. Because of what she brings to the house, there's no lack of gain. But you see, she's a devoted wife. And her desire is to support her husband in a good way. Verse 12 says, she does him good and not harm all the days of his life. What that means is she seeks his welfare. She enhances his reputation. She has confidence in him. That's what a devoted wife is. She has confidence in her husband, and she says, I believe in you. She is supportive, not critical. She builds him up. She doesn't tear him down. She encourages his dreams and visions. She doesn't throw cold water on every new idea and aspiration. Now, I just got to tell you guys, and for young men, if you're dating someone, and they seem that when you're out in public with them, that they're constantly being critical of you, uh, that's a red flag because she only knows this much about you. When you get married, she's with you 24-7. She's building up a big inventory of stuff. And uh, 
And when you're out in there, she's just going to be laying it out for everyone to see. You don't want that. I've been with couples. I've been in gatherings to where I was almost embarrassed to see how a wife would be critical of her husband. And then I've been in other situations to where I'd see a wife that was so supportive of her husband and was so loving and, and just uh, was, was just complimentary over some of the things that he has done. Not false praise. It's just you knew it was there. And as they talk about what they're doing and, and they're part of a team and, and to know that she was devoted to that, that's what you want, guys. And for wives, that's the way you need to be. And moms, that's where you need to be, a devoted wife to them. Listen, ladies, men are not real complicated, okay? That's one of the joys of being a man. We're about as simple as can be. And I know, and I, and, and I'm gonna, I, I, I may get some tariffs on this one, but that'll be fine. But I, I, we, there's a great song, Audience of One. We talk about we live in Audience of One. And, and I understand what it says, but I'm telling you, as a Christian married man, we live for an audience of two. We live for Jesus Christ, number one, and we live for our wives, number two. Because we want our wives to love us and respect us. And whenever we do something, we may do it for the Lord, but we're always going to look at our wife and say, what do you think? Isn't that true, guys? Even the Bible says this. Ephesians 5.33, let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. This is what men need. They need respect from their wives. And so what you're looking for is a devoted wife. Then when you come to verse 23... And just the way it's laid out in the Hebrew, verse 23 is the central structure of the poem. This is the structure of the poem. You're writing all about a woman, but in verse 23 it says, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Isn't that interesting? The structural center of the whole poem comes down to the husband. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits with the elders. The city gate, that was where the assembly of all the elders were. They had judicial responsibilities. And what this meant was he was a prominent, well-known leader. He was a man who, with a wife like this, he has gained a lot of respect. He's got respect from the community because of his character, but he's also got respect to the community because of his wife and because of the character of his wife. And so they hold her in universal esteem also. So he is a man who is, who is well-informed, leader in the community. He's got this wonderful wife over here. And it says they're all respected. Now, guys, you can look at this verse, and it shows you how important it is to pick a good wife. I mean, they're saying right here, the husband's known the gates when he sits among the elders of the land, and they know about his wife, and so... It's good to pick a good wife. But I also want you to notice in this verse that this excellent wife, she picked a good man. She picked a guy that was well-respected. She picked a guy that was a leader. She didn't pick that 20 or 30-something-year-old who's living in their parents' basement with no job playing video games all night. The question is asked, an excellent wife who can find Listen, if you don't do anything with your life, you ain't going to find her because she don't want you. So when you read this passage, guys, when I read this, I say, man, I love to have a woman like that. Well, then you be a guy like verse 23. And if you could be a man like verse 23, you got a better shot at getting an excellent wife in verses 10 through 31. Does that make sense? Amen? Amen. For those six people that believe that. That's good. All right. Amen? That's exactly right. Okay. 
And uh, I got a list of everyone said amen, so any of you single women come to me. I've got the list of the people who didn't say that, so you can stay away from those guys. Okay. All right. A devoted wife, number one. Number two, a diligent partner. A diligent partner. Anytime you're going to get involved in, in marriage and you take on a wife, there needs to be a partnership there. You want to have a diligent partner that works alongside of you. When you look at verses 13 through 19 and verse 22 and 24, you see all the things that this woman did. Let me just put this into today's language. This is what she did. She gets up before dawn and she cooks breakfast and she then makes lunch for the kids as they go to school. She makes sure of the drop-off and the pickup schedules for the kids and any after-school activities. She then lays out responsibilities for the cleaning service and the maid. She goes to the market, she buys wool, flax, and linen, and she also buys the groceries for the week. She then comes home, goes into her sewing room, makes clothes for the kids, a bedspread for the master bedroom, and linen garments and sashes to be sold. Later that afternoon, she dresses in her best business suit, she goes downtown, she sells her goods to the merchants. She notices a piece of property for sale that she thinks would be a wise investment, so she takes her earnings from her sales, purchases the property, and lays out plans to plant a vineyard. She comes home, she cooks dinner, she helps the kids with their homework, she puts the kids to bed, spend some time with her husband, and when he goes to bed, she goes back into her sewing room to finish some more merchandise and crawls into bed after midnight. Now, that's the kind of woman you need to be, all right? (laughs) You see, people read that. That's when they read Proverbs 31, and they say, ain't no way. I can't do that. Is that like once a year? No, it's every day. This is what she does. This This is it. So now you look at that, and then this is why people try to dismiss it. I said, oh, that's just way too much. I'm not the kind of guy that wants to dismiss Scripture. So what I figured out is, let's look over there, and what is that actually telling you? These are her qualities. And guys, when you're looking for a wife, these are some qualities you want to look for. Wives, moms, these kind of qualities you should have. Number one, puts needs before wants. Puts needs before wants. Takes care of her family food, takes care of, her, of the clothes for the kids. She made sure that the family had what they needed. That was what was most important. They put needs ahead of wants. Number two, self-sacrificing. She's self-sacrificing. She had to get up at dawn. Sometimes she stayed up late at night. If you're ever going to be in a marriage relationship, two, these two things are, are, are really important. Everything's not going to rock and roll just like you want it to. And there are going to be times when finances get tight. There are going to be times that you may lose a job. There may be times when all of a sudden we got to work two jobs in order to make ends meet. And there's got to be self-sacrifice. And you can't sit there and whine and complain because you don't get all that you want. You need to be content with making sure we take care of, of what we need. And there are going to be health issues that are going to come up. They're going to require sacrifice within the home. There's going to be taking care of aging parents. There are going to be things that are going to come into our lives that we had no idea what was going to happen. And when that happens, you need a diligent partner that says, we need to get our needs taken care of first, and we need to sacrifice if need be. And if we've got to get up early, we'll get up early. If we're going to stay up late, we'll stay up late. But we're going to do this together, and we're going to make this work. Number three is manages money well. Doesn't mean she has to be an entrepreneur or a great investor. It just means it'd be nice to know how to do a budget and how to manage money well. And to be able to know that, hey, if we don't have it, we don't have it. You don't spend more than you have. You don't run your credit cards up just so you can get a whole nother credit and just die in debt. Number four, industrious hard worker. What I mean by that? Not sitting on the sofa eating bonbons and Skittles. Uh, 
You don't want someone that's just going to be flat out lazy. You want someone that's going to be industrious, hard worker, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that they say, well, I'm, I'm going to try to do it all. Hey, if you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, you're going to have to be industrious and a hard worker. If you're going to try to also have children and, and raise a child and try to have a career too, you've got to be an industrious, hard worker. You've just got to figure this out. But you want someone that's going to be a hard worker. The next one is pride, takes pride in her surroundings. Takes pride in her surroundings. This woman here, it says that, that she made bed coverings. So what she did was she, she decorated her home. She took pride in her surroundings. Pride in the apartment or the house. And then last of all, dress appropriately. They said that she dressed in fine linen. And, and when you look at the, at the passage, when it says she, she dressed in, in her, her fine linen, and uh, that's in purple and fine linen, She's wealthy, and so she's got really nice clothes. But that, that's not the main part of it. The main part of it is that she dressed nicely, but also you'll see down here uh, in another verse where it says strength and dignity are her clothing. So she was a woman of character, and so she dressed like that. And so she dressed appropriately. And so when you think about those, you just look at that list. I think it's a good list. I think it's exactly what you can take from this passage. To be a Proverbs 31 woman... These are some qualities, and this helps make you to be a diligent partner that works well with your husband. Number three, a dutiful servant to the needy and the poor. A dutiful servant to the needy and the poor. In verse 20, it says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. If you go back sometime this week and you read back over this, this proverb, look at the number of times it talks about her hands, her hands, her hands. But in verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. That is kind of like your sewing machine, okay? And so you're putting your hands here to do work. And then the very next verse is she then takes her hands, the palms of her hands, which represent a generous spirit, to the needy. And so it's not just all about her and not all just about our household, it's getting outside the household into the society and to help with the needy. And this is something that all of us need to do, but I'm just telling you, as a young man, as you're looking for someone that you want to get married to, if you've got a heart for missions and a heart for doing things to reach the needy, and the person you're dating has no care for that, that's probably a red flag, that, that, that you're not going to match up. Because you're going to have a heart to be doing some things and God may be calling you to do some sacrifices to work with them. But if she has no heart there, that's probably not the right thing. So, number four, a dependable mother. A dependable mother. Verse 15, she rises while she's at night and she provides food for her household, portions for her maidens. Verse 21, she's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. And that word scarlet, uh, there are different texts that you look at, and, and scarlet is one translation, but in both Greek and Latin, it's a word translated that means double, which means even though it's cold outside, the kids have doubled, they have layers. It just seemed like it was recent where people say, you don't need a big heavy coat, you just need to layer. That goes back to Proverbs. It says she gave them layers. She gives them doubles. So they got plenty. She's not worried about the snow. Snow comes, don't worry about it. My kids have got enough. And then you get to verse 27. And she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She looks well to her household. That means that as a mother, she carefully watches everything in her household. I tell you what, moms have got the most amazing ability to have a hand on the pulse of the household. 
I don't care if you've got one child or you've got six kids. Moms are unbelievable. They know the pulse. You could sit down with them at any time and they could sit down and walk through each one of their children and tell you pretty much where they were in life at that time, what was going on. It's amazing. And husbands, they kind of got a hand on your pulse too. They can tell us what's going on in our lives too. She looks well after her household. And she's, she's alert. She understands. She knows the pulse there. That's a dependable mom. Because she knows what's going on in the household. And so when she sees a need, she steps up and tries to meet that need. When there's a situation that needs to be addressed, she steps up and addresses that situation. A dependable mother. Then number five, doctrinally oriented woman. <laughs> Whoa, what is that? She's a believer, okay? <laughs> Doctrinally oriented woman. So let me explain to you that. I put, she fears the Lord. It's found in verse 30. But in verse 25, look what it says. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Strength and dignity are her clothing. That means she's a woman of character. She's a woman of strength. She's a woman of dignity. And then, and she's prepared for whatever may come. In this translation, it says she laughs at the time to come. One translation says she smiles at the future. How can you possibly smile at the future? You smile at the future because you know the one who holds the future. And that's how you can smile at the future. And so there's a confidence that she has because she has a fear of the Lord. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She opens her mouth in wisdom. Well, where does that come from? Proverbs 2.6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So when she opens her mouth in wisdom, it means that she's been spending time with the Lord because the Lord is the one that gives her that wisdom. But then when it comes out in wisdom, it comes out with kindness. And that's the teaching it just comes out on her tongue. Kindness on her tongue. She's wise and gracious in her speech. At the end of verse 30, it says, but a woman who fears the Lord, is to be praised. She fears the Lord. That means she's not anxious about the future. She has practical wisdom. She lives not just for herself, but she lives for others. And it shapes her whole life. She's a doctrinally oriented woman. And she's committed to Scripture and to live that out. Now see, now so far, young guys, You've got a blueprint right here of the type of woman that you could look for if you ever decide that you want to get married one day. And for all of the wives and moms that are here, you can look over this blueprint and begin to look at these things and say, let me see how my life's doing. Are there some adjustments that I need, I need to make over here? Because I'd love to get number six, and that's what number six is, and that is deserving to be praised. Deserving to be praised. 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. I mean, it's about as sweet as it gets is what we saw in the video with Beth Allen. And she sits there and her daughter comes in and gives her the big hug at night after writing a sweet note. I mean, man, when your children rise up and call you blessed, that's what you want. Her family acknowledges all the benefits they've had from her. As far as they're concerned, she's the greatest wife and the greatest mother in the world. But it's not just the kids. Because she's got a balance. She's balanced her relationship with her kids and she's balanced her relationship with her husband because it says her husband also and he praises her. So you don't just live for 28A. 
It's not just, I'm a mom, I'm putting everything into my kids and just hope my husband makes it over here. No, you are a mother and a wife. In fact, you're a wife first and a mother second. And for this, verse 28 is what you live for because her husband also, and he praises her. And this is what he says. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And I'm bringing home pizza tonight. See? That's in one of the newer translations uh, over here. It is, one translation was, my incomparable wife excels them all. Now, some of you may say, that's a little bit high talk for me. To walk into my wife and say, you know, no one surpasses your excellency, your incomparable wife. So I just say go back to 1971 in Loggins and Messina. And when they said that song, Nobody But You, and I don't want nobody, I don't want nobody but you. And if I need anybody, darling, you're the one I would choose. Woo, you go right there. She'll love it. She'll love it. All right. I mean, come on, guys. Let them know that they're special over there. Man, I don't want nobody but you. And, um, and you, you praise him for their excellencies on there. But then it says, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Not saying anything's wrong with, with someone being beautiful or someone being charming. It says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You see, charm and beauty, it says, you know, some of these things can fade. But you see, the one who's the praised is the one who fears the Lord. And you need to give her of the fruit of her hands. See, the young man should first seek a woman who fears the Lord. And whoever finds such a woman should make sure that her gifts and accomplishments do not go unappreciated. So when you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, for us today, it's a, it's a great challenge to look at it as, as wives and as moms and to look at that. And there may be a few things that click with you and you say, you know what, Danny? I got to be honest. I'm kind of not doing what I should in that area. I want to make, make those adjustments on there. For young guys over here, thinking about looking for a wife, I'd encourage you to put these down and put them at the forefront of your brain and begin to think about who it is and begin to see these qualities here. And for us, as men and as husbands, we don't ever need to pass up verses 29 and 30. We need to praise her and tell of her excellencies and let her know how much we love her and how much we appreciate her. Just as men love to be respected, Our wives love to be loved. And so when we show that love to them and show the appreciation we have for them, then it just fills up their tanks, okay? And uh, Mother's Day is a great day to remember for each of us to do that. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word and we're thankful for your, the challenge of God's word. And Father, I just thank you that the Bible is, not, is never just average, but it's always setting a bar high so that we can be the best. And uh, this morning, I just I pray for each person in our congregation. And I agree so much with what Michael said about for some, this is a really happy day and it's exciting and, and some people have got grandparents with them and kids are with them and, and it's just a great day of rejoicing. But at the same time, Father, I know that it's hard for some. It's hard for some because their mother or grandmother's passed away this past year and it's their first year uh, that they are not by their side. 
And I pray that you'll give them comfort. And Lord, I know there are people here in our congregation who some of the greatest desires is to be a mother. But for some physical reason, that's just not happening. And it is so difficult. And so, Father, at this day, I pray that you would bring a, a great word of comfort to them. And I even pray, Father, that for some, that, that you would put your hand upon them and that you would open up her womb and that you would allow that pregnancy to take place and for them to be able to experience that joy. And, Lord, for some that have been walking through these waters, there, there may be other options. And there may be that, that even through this Sunday, that maybe there's the look of adoption or maybe it's foster care or just other things that you may have in their path. I just pray you'll give them a great peace with that. And so, Lord, we thank you for the things that we've learned. And the things we've learned in this passage of Scripture apply to every one of us, men and women alike. And so may we live the lives so that we would be a people who fear you. And when we fear you, then we'll get not just the praise of men, but most importantly, we get to give honor and glory to your name. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.